and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi guys, how are you? <laughs> um, I don't know what it's like there, but here it is an absolutely stunning morning. It definitely feels like summer is here. Yeah, same here. It's really nice, really sunny. I took the dogs out on the bike this morning in the glorious sunshine. So yeah, making the most. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So Sarah is the founder of a gorgeous company that um, I came across, well, about 18 months ago, actually. I think it was Olympia when you very first launched. And um, your company's called Finer Equine, and you make saddle covers, stirrup covers, um, uh, bum sheets, and all sorts of things. It's probably a technical term, it's not bum sheet, is it? But, you know, that's what I like to call them. Um, so, Sarah, tell us a little bit about Finer Equine and what it's all about for you. So, yeah, Finer Equine, for me, is all about quality and innovation. Um, it, it all kicked off um, about 18 months ago. I had a bad fall and I couldn't work. Um, so I'd had this previous idea to um, for a saddle cover. Um, I bought one. Um, I bought a new Fairfax saddle. It came with a really thin fleece cover, which was just not going to protect the saddle. Um, the way I kind of used them and the wear and tear it was going to get. So I lined it with fleece. I put girth sleeves on. I wanted it, but then I wanted it to be more beautiful and practical because everyone likes to feel fancy when they're going out to show and um and that was kind of how the brand was was born um and yeah quality and innovation leads everything we do um and yeah oh sorry i'm having a bit of technical difficulty there i'm not entirely sure we say we're live so i'm hoping we are it's just having a little look on the page and but we'll see we'll carry on and hopefully we are live but we said we are so i have to have to kind of hope technology is lying <laughs> <laughs> okay so so that's fine so it's about what is it about robustness because it's certainly i mean the quality of your products is just second to none i absolutely love anything you bring out you just want to touch it um so tell us about the actual the products themselves then yeah so the products themselves it's all about having something that's really practical functional that's like one of my main bugbears if it doesn't do all of the jobs that I want it to do I don't want it and also I want it to look really beautiful you know and it's like what you say when people come on our stand they're like oh my gosh I just want to touch it you know that's the kind of products that you want to be around um, so, for example, our saddle covers, the, the kind of the original piece that we started with, we actually use on like the outer cover. Um, I sourced a material which is slip resistant. It's waterproof. It's breathable. Um, and it's actually the same material that you would find used for a really high tech sports jacket. Um, so that's the kind of quality that we put into every single finer detail in everything we do um, and that means that it's breathable so your tack doesn't go moldy um, it's waterproof obviously really important it's slip resistant so we use the same material for our ride-on exercise sheet or bum sheet um, and yeah like we have Italian veal leather which detailing on the edge of the girth um, loops to help make it more durable again so it's all about making these things really practical durable functional but also really beautiful and luxurious at the same time 
Cool. Yes, I've just muted you as well. I'm I'm doing really really well here today, Sarah. And uh, you need to unmute yourself. I'm sorry. Honestly, goodness sake. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, what was I going to ask you? I was going to say. So they 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 look beautiful. They're really durable. And I have to say, I mean, at one point in our tap room, obviously everyone had seen you at Olympia because just after Christmas, all of these beautiful finer equine um, saddle covers were all lined up in the tap room and they do they're absolutely gorgeous um but it's all very well saying well you know why do you want a good looking saddle cover like who cares but it's about that functionality as well isn't it that makes it so interesting so why finer equine then why do you call yourself that um it was really like I started off at my dining room table I have um a background in sales and marketing um and I was just there's so many equestrian brands out there as well finer equine for me depicted what we wanted to be you know we wanted to be you know really refined really beautiful really luxurious um and the logo you know the logo I drew myself uh, again at my dining room table um and I, again I think it just represents everything we're about like fine finesse elegance um but you know it's it's performance at the same time Okay, so tell us a little bit then about how on earth you ended up working at your dining room table designing and um, I don't think you actually made them yourself, did you? But, you know, getting manufactured, um, the things that you have, I mean, because um, it's quite a leap, isn't it, from what you were doing to where you are now? Yeah, so I, um, at, at the beginning, basically, I came from really corporate background, sales and marketing, working for some amazing drinks brands, Hendrix Gin, Peroni, um, and then I wanted to go off on my own so I had more time to do horses um, but also something that could still pay the bills so we'd we'd done up a lot of houses so we had a property development business um, and we had some really great successes and we had some not so great successes um, so we ended up moving into rental instead which was it was like it was a bit tough like I'm quite proud and I like I'm very competitive with myself um, but at the same time, as we were just moving that into the rental side of things, I had a bad fall um, and I, they were like, the doctor said, you can't ride. You've got unstable fractures in your spine. You can't go up a ladder because if you fall, like that's it. Like you're, you're in a wheelchair kind of thing. So um, I was like, oh, what can I do? So I made the saddle cover a while ago and I thought, oh, I'll just give this a go. I'm like, I'll just make them myself and I'll just see if anyone will buy them. And then I got talking to a friend and he said, oh, our, our manufacturing business can make these for you, make them really nice. So I was like, okay, like make some samples, bring them back, let's see what they look like. And they were amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want all of, all of this stuff. So I thought if I want it, there must be people like me out there. So we, I, um, I designed all the prototypes and everything at my dining room table because it started really, really lean. Um, you know, I think we just started with a couple of grand, which is for a luxury brand, is pretty lean. Um, and I taught myself to sew. I spent an hour on YouTube learning how to sew up, uh, thread up a sewing machine, which was hilariously unsuccessful eventually got the hang of things um, made the prototypes, sent them off to the factory. They brought back the samples, um, our stirrup covers. I actually made the first 60 pairs 
And then I was like, I couldn't keep up with demand. And I was like, I am not a seamstress. I am not cut out for this. Like I am a businesswoman. I'm gonna get someone else to make these. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started off. So considering what seemed like a really black cloud at the time, you know what it's like, we all know what it's like when you can't ride or go and see your horse, especially at the minute. Um, it was, it's been a real silver lining to kind of, to come out of it all. So, yeah. Often the way, isn't it? I mean, I've, all, I've interviewed so many different people and so many of them have all said, you know, your worst day can often turn out to be your best. It just sets you on another path. It just stops you doing the status quo makes you rethink and starts you again. So what do you think was it that changed in your head? Um, I dare say the word mindset, because we're all using it, aren't we? What changed in your mindset from what you were doing to what you are doing now? Yeah, it's that sometimes you need change to drive change. Like it's easy for all of us to be in the everyday, like, be comfortable in what we're doing, have dreams and ambitions and goals and things. We think, oh, I'd love to do this. But actually sometimes it just takes a catalyst to, to do something about it. And whether you're the catalyst or it's an external factor, if you really want to do something, like, why not? Give it a go. I had so many fears when I started this business. I, I, I was like, are people going to buy them? Are people going to like them? I have no idea. And now we have, you know, Charlotte Desjardins is one of our biggest fans. We sell internationally. We sold Japan, America, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere, all over the world. Um, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have dreamt the success we would have in our first two years. And if you told me this two years ago, I'd be like, ah, come on, you're kidding on, you know? So it, yeah, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. Try something else. That's again, similar to what happened to us with our previous business. Um, it, it works, but it didn't work the way I wanted it to. So I was like, okay, let's just keep going until we do something that's really, really cool and different. And I think what you do is really cool and different. So yes, you've succeeded in that, do you? <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty cool like I often find myself at the big shows you know we were setting up for Burley last year and you you're you're just in the middle of all the action and you're like this is my job like this is awesome you're around horsey people all day you know talking to horsey people about the horses it's literally like the dream job so what is your absolute favourite thing that you've done so far in the last 18 months that finer equine meant that you could do, do you think? Oh, it's so hard. Um, there's quite a few things. I think the favourite, like favourite moment, I think, would be at um, Your Horse Live in November. Um, I think at this point we've been trading for about 14 months. So not very long at all. But in that, like just over a year, I'm managed to meet so many people through the show so many other brands and business owners um and we actually won a gold beta award for our stand and um when it, when it was announced honestly everyone in the room it was this huge room and everyone in the room went completely wild when my name got called out I was literally like I, I can't believe this is happening so uh, yeah that was pretty surreal very memorable and just awesome to have all the support of 
all of the other equestrian community there as well. So that was that was pretty fun. I remember that time. So I was there with um, with Jake Tarrant and Little Bentley because we always at things with him. And I remember you were sitting on a different table with Zoe from Honest Riders. And the year before, Jake had won one, and we were all joking like, "Ha you're never going to win anything." And they announced his name. We were all wetting ourselves. We thought <laughs> this year we were like, "Come on, Jake, you're never going to win a second time. That's not going to happen." And then they announced Zoe, and then they announced you, or whichever way around they did it. And we were like, "Oh my god, it's Zoe! That's amazing!" The whole it was like. I think there's like two two golds and a silver award in our table. So we had all these people, everyone had a drink and everyone was coming over like, I'm gonna come and sit at this table. I want an award. Like I think this, I don't know if it's gonna happen this year or not, but I think if it does happen this year at your horse live, we're all gonna be like, where, where's Sarah and Zoe sitting? Right. Where are I mean I have to say you both did have beautiful stands this year I mean some people really make an effort on their stands and you guys I don't know you just got that eye both of you for what good like oh my god I want to borrow it that I don't have that eye I have a very kind of analytical I can I can make sense of chaos I can do patterns and things but you guys can make things look good I'm like oh my god (laughs) so unfair I completely lack in the logic and that kind of real um, amazing kind of strategic analytical thinking that's not my strong point it's my my husband is amazing at that um so we made quite a good little team I think it was Bill Gates said surround yourself with people more brilliant than you are um and it's really easy for me to do that fortunately so yeah he's he's amazing at that and I'm like more creative sales marketing product development side of things so a great little family business team then yeah yeah really good it works well and is he very involved in it at all or is he still doing sort of property side of things and stuff so Alistair actually works full-time as a head of strategy for a large online electronics retailer and so that is his full-time job and when he's not doing that I have him doing things like we've just built a garden room in the back of the in the in the house as our lockdown project so I get him doing all that kind of stuff as well but he's really hands-on with um obviously his own job it's like takes up most of his time um but the property side of things we do a lot of that together he's amazing with finer equine um he anytime I'm like because it's hard on your own isn't it like if you've got a small business I do everything everything myself from managing the website to you know our emails everything so sometimes you can get a little bit lost like oh is this the right thing what do I do about this and just having someone who thinks completely in the opposite way to me to bounce ideas off is it totally invaluable so if you can find find someone who's like the opposite of you get get them roped in get them to help you definitely yeah, when I get a chance to work with riders, anyone who takes on my um, Premier Transformation package, um, we look at everything. Because obviously your business does affect your riding, does affect your life, you know, your life affects your business and da da da. And if you're a rider or you run a yard or you're a trainer or anything like that, it all impacts each other, doesn't it? We're going to get onto in a minute your riding and what's changed and how that come about over the years and things like that. But, you know, you must have noticed the difference once you're running your own business in what you do how you do it and things like that as well and if they're on that package we look at everything we look at everything and of course I'm from 
commercial background so you know consultancy background so we do we I do that bit your husband does for yeah. to help them work it out you need that and equally I need people that can do beautiful things because <laughs> make myself <laughs> so tell us then a bit about your riding over the years because um I met you at I think it was Olympia but you're, yes it was because you were in the new newbies area weren't you the new new business area and I wandered up with Katie from Decipher Dressage because we always go to Olympia together and um when and Riviera PR she is now and she said oh my god Sarah we went to uni together or something didn't we and it was like oh Jack and that's how I met you so like you say you know meeting people at the shows and then every time I see you after that we have a little bit of a catch-up and chat but it's it's such a small world isn't it but you guys what were you doing teams uni you were doing young riders I can't remember what you were doing together but something years back yeah so I think I it was actually I think it was Katie we were doing um GB student rider um, teams together. So I, I have a feeling for some reason Katie couldn't go to a competition in Holland. So I was really jammy and managed to jump in her space and um, got to go off and compete in Holland for student riders GB. And that is an amazing program. They've had some top riders come through. For example, Becky Wren, who's five star events are she came through that program. I think she won the Worlds the year in 2010. I think Becky won. Um, so they've had some amazing riders to kind of come through there and nurture. So, yeah, that's how we met all those years ago. And it kind of stayed a little bit in touch and followed each other a little bit. And then, yeah, we've kind of reconnected recently through our mutual equestrian businesses. So that's been really nice. We actually had a, a catch-up hack. So we were both had a little arena hack and, you know, just had a little catch up when we were on the horses, like talking about business. And yeah, it's really good. Nice to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, isn't it amazing when you can like do something horsey and call it work? Like my other half, my husband always says, oh, you know, whenever I'm going off to a show or I'm going to something, he's like, oh, I have a nice holiday. I'm like, I'm not going on holiday, I'm working. He's like, well, it's hardly work though, is it? And it's like, no, it is. It actually is. It's work. It's just... I love it. Like, you know, I've designed a, a job around my passion and you've done the same, haven't you? So what's it like when you, you, you're working, but you don't really feel like you're working? Yeah, it's, it, it just makes life so much easier. Like when in one of my jobs, um, I haven't really told many people this, but I really got quite depressed in it. I became really, really anxious in it. Um, it just wasn't the right job for me, um, which I realized it took me years to work that out. Um, so actually being able to do something that doesn't feel like work that I can totally own. I think that's a huge thing, like being able to have complete ownership over something um, do what you feel is right. Um, and yeah, just be able to have fun with it is like completely liberating and uplifting um yeah it's absolutely amazing and there is hard work behind it isn't there it's not all you know rose tinted glasses and and fun days out is it so tell us some of the challenges that you've had to get through to create what is worth having so worth having but my word do you have to graph to get there don't you yeah it's it's a proper little graph like olympia is definitely like our toughest week of the year where we met it's like 14 hour days, most days. Um, and I'm on the stand all the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really long, and then you've got build up before and after. Um, because I'm quite independent, we're really small still. We don't usually have much or any staff on the stand. So 
um sorry the puppy's whining um so we uh I, I usually do all the setup myself so the stand at your horse live for example I do that entirely on my own from lifting everything in building putting the stock in so show days are so fun like I love getting to meet people I love getting to hear their amazing feedback on our products and um, answering all their questions but it's really hard graft um I think some of the biggest challenges that we've had to um, overcome are it's, it's a little bit of there's something new every day. There's like a new challenge every day and it's about consistently learning and it's consistently adapting whether it's you know oh the leather from Italy for example hasn't arrived for the saddle covers so that pushes everything back by a month because the factory can't fit you in you know, they had a slot for you and now that slot's gone. So then that pushes you really tight up to the deadline for a show. And it's about finding ways to deal with that, adapt, come up with new solutions con continually. Every day is a challenge, really. And so what is it then that drives you to mean that you overcome those and you haven't? Because so I, I know certainly over the years, there have definitely been days where you just think, my God, it'd be easy to just have a job. Um, like, oh, it'd just be so much easier to just go to work and do it with someone else and know a paycheck's coming. But we don't, and we're still here and we're running our own businesses. So what is it that drives you to keep doing that? Yeah, totally. I still have those days and I'm like, even though we're so, you know, we're so successful compared to where we even thought we would be two years ago, I still have days and I get up and I'm like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not doing this the right way. We need to be doing this better. We need to be doing that. Um, and you have to, you have to keep going back and you have to force yourself to look back two years and say, okay, that is where we've come from. And that is a huge motivator because you're like, oh my God, we've done all of this in two years. Okay. Where can we go in the next two years? Where are we going? What's next? Um, and again, like, I'll sit down with my husband like last weekend, not weekend, weekend before. We had an amazing little session um, and I was kind of going, product development. I've got all of these ideas and I don't, I want to do, I want to achieve this and this and I don't know how to, I don't know which way to go next. I don't know which product to take out next. And then we did, we have like this huge dining table and we put some wrapping paper out and I just did a huge mind map of all of the different products in the market, where my ideas fitted into that, how I could arrange them together. Do, does each one meet the objectives that I want to meet for my brand and my business? Um, so again, it's it's hard when sometimes when you're on your own and you think, oh my God, I just, I just want a normal job sometimes. But at the same time, it's so exhilarating to be to get that clarity and be like, okay, start fresh. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to do it. It's a, it's a huge motivator as well, but it takes it takes a lot of stepping back. So you just need to be on that all the time. Yeah, that different that different perspective. So when you're in your perspective all the time, and you've got your own stuff going on in your head, you can so get bogged down with that kind of thing. But taking that fresh perspective, having someone else look at it for you, looking at the bigger picture, sometimes, like you say, working out where you're at. And, and how do you deal with competition? So this is a thing that puts a lot of people off, especially when they're starting a new business. 
is that you know very rarely are you the only one doing something or at least you might be to start off with and then some someone else i've seen designs very much like yours out there now um it doesn't mean they are by any means but they look in a similar way like you know they've got the girth thing on the cover of the saddle cover and things like that or they've got holes in the stirrup things and stuff and obviously i don't know if you patent or not but even if you do people can still go around and and use it can't they so how do you deal with that with competition so that was one of my huge um worries i guess when we when i started setting up the business was how do we differentiate ourselves um, I just, you know, uh, we've had a lot of people ask us, oh, are you going to do leggings? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, well, no, because so many people are doing leggings and they're doing it so flipping well. I don't think I can, at the moment, add much value to that area of the market. What I want to do is add value to areas that need more value adding, such as luxury, tack care, luxury luggage, that kind of thing. So we were the first, I think the by at least 50% like we have the highest price point for our goods but we are the only ones that craft in Britain we're the only ones that use such high quality materials so from that perspective our quality and our innovation really sets us apart and um, on the flip side of that from a more practical and legal side of things um, I actually spoke to the really awesome if um, Pam from Olympia so she she's like responsible for organizing all the trade stands at Olympia Royal Windsor Dublin Horse Show she's an amazing woman and um she said Sarah what you need to do is you need to protect all of your designs and I was like all right okay cool I'll look into that so all of our designs are um protected by the Office of Intellectual Property um loads of different design elements so we have had a few cases and um, where people have almost identically replicated our designs and um, you know we kind of had to say like we were protected so please please do it a different way or don't do it at all um which is a really hard conversation to have with someone but it's also a huge form of flattery at the same time yeah absolutely and i mean in, at least in doing what you do you can um you can protect a product you can protect a design in that respect you know doing <laughs> doing service-based things <laughs> i do I can't protect my knowledge. Like you know, I can package it and I can market and I can do things like that. But other people know stuff I know too. So, you know, I think there's there's pros and cons to everything. And certainly, like you say, see it's flattery. That's definitely, you know, if anyone's ever thinking of doing a service-based or a product-based industry and someone starts doing what they do, I go, great. That means people want this because if there's enough for two of us to be doing it, then that means there's enough for us all so that's fantastic and, and it's that it's that idea isn't it it's like see it's the biggest form of flattery like oh it must be good if people have gone i'm gonna copy that totally. um, also i think sometimes it's hard to 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 make something from scratch when you have no base but to improve on someone else's thinking or what they're doing is a lot easier so like yeah <laughs> how can you make it better and there are certain countries in the world that just spend their whole time doing that, don't they? So, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So how has lockdown then, talking about certain countries in the world, how has lockdown um, affected you? What have you done as a result of it? Because obviously I know you were due to be a, were you going to be at Badminton? You were definitely going to be at uh, Windsor. Yeah. And some of the other places that were cancelled. So what's, what's, what have you done? 
So we, yeah, we were going to have our first badminton this year, which we were so looking forward to. But and we were supposed to be at Bramham in June as well. We were supposed to be for, uh, a couple of shows in May as well. Um, so we've done we've done a few little different bits and bobs. We got involved with again, lovely Pam at um, Virtual Windsor. So we we got involved there. We've done some of our we've taken our show promotion and we put that online on the dates that we would have been at those big shows. We never discount as a brand. We just don't discount. It's not something we do. Um, so to have our show offer um, online was really a big event for us, really. Um, and it went really well. Um, and we've been working with some other retailers. Um, so we got a couple of new retailers on board, which has been really exciting. Um, lovely Boudicca Equestrian, started working with them. The Amazing Country Frog, we've recently started working with them this year as well. We did, we're lucky actually, we had a little show with them at the Charlotte Desjardins demo in February up at Myers Co Arena. So that was great to get one little show in before it all started off. So they've all been promoting our stuff as well during this time, which has been like absolutely amazing and valuable help um so yeah when it when lockdown kind of first kicked in with all the uncertainty um like many small retailers um we saw things get a little bit quiet um and to be honest it's picked up to a really really strong levels now which is fantastic because hopefully that means that people are finding certainty in their their jobs the economy is slightly less unstable than it was at the start of all this as well which is it brings a little bit of hope at least as well for as an for us as an individual <laughs> let alone as biz, for businesses so cool okay and so with lockdown things you have to see your horse being able to ride yes so fortunately <laughs> i think i could go crazy if i couldn't to be honest but i've been so lucky and um, i he had surgery in January um, so he I moved him to a yard which is just around the back of my house um, it takes me two and a half minutes to cycle door to door which is amazing so I've been able to see him every day really he's on DIY as well and so I have to um, he's been coming back into work slow, really slowly and um, so it's been for us as, as far as timings go like I've been pretty lucky all things considered we can't go out and compete at the minute anyway because he's not ready he will be probably by the time competitions start up again hopefully so I've been able to just crack on with his rehab keep him ticking over um yeah so that has been keeping me sane for sure and how do you balance like in in normal life wherever whenever that's going to be how do you balance then running a really busy business you know because although you've got other people helping you a bit you still got to do it all like um how have you balanced that with riding and things before he had his operation and things you were out doing things weren't you how did you do that yeah so that's the really nice thing about having your own business is you just do have that flexibility and for me it's, it's about having that headspace like just the headspace that you know I can I can do that there I can do that there whereas I, I did struggle a little bit with that to really kind of commit mentally to focus on my horse when I was working for other people and um, so um, 
sorry I've just had a talk mind blank there <laughs> no that's cool I was just saying how did you feel in riding with your own business and you were saying oh you could be really flexible and it's actually you actually really need to because I really resonate with that so for the seven or eight weeks that I wasn't able to see my boy at all whatsoever I just went into complete work mode because well quite frankly I was at home I couldn't do anything else and my god did I notice the the complete lack of me time and you know I'd go and walk the dog or what have you but it's not the same it is just not the same as riding with you know when you're riding you've got to really concentrate well I do anyway um (laughs) and, and so it makes you be really mindful so you know how did you balance or what was it that meant that you could balance that then yeah, it's, it is really about, again, having that flexibility and committing to the flexibility, finding out what works for you. So, for example, in the mornings, I usually would get up um, like when he was on full livery sort of before lockdown and all that kind of stuff. I would get up, get some work done in the morning, bash out some emails, get orders for the day ready to fulfill, go out to the post office and get those put out get the dog walk then come back do some more work on a project whether that's for a show or a new product development um and then i'll go and do the horse kind of late afternoon get him ridden um spend two two hours usually two or three hours getting him done um and then come back and then i do my social media stuff in the evening so it does really allow me that like flexibility during the day but yeah if, if if you can't get out and kind of have that release like I, I do same as you like I noticed a big difference in my own mental well-being like the other day had a day off and I, I was so grumpy and I was like, really sorry Alistair like I'm really grumpy today and it was because I've done nothing other than just work all day and I hadn't had that time to go completely switch off focus on something else and then come back fresh to what I was doing. Um, and I lo- I absolutely love every minute of what I do. But at the same time, you need to have, you need to keep your focus switching between places at a pace that you can keep up with to keep yourself fresh and happy. Cool. So what advice would you give someone then who um, is thinking of setting up their own business, but oh, they're not sure there's all these fears and concerns as there is with anything unknown. What advice do you think you'd give someone? Um, definitely, if you've got butterflies, if you're feeling nervous, you're along the right tracks. <laughs> if you're worried about stuff, you're probably along the right tracks. So be brave. Just go for it. Make risks, but make calculated risks. So, for example, when we were setting up Finer Equine, um, when I set up Finer Equine, at any one point, I wanted to make sure that all of the stock I was holding, worst case scenario, I could be certain that I could sell all of it and cover all the costs that I had incurred so far. So for me, that massively reduced a lot of risk straight away, a lot of worry straight away. And it just allowed me to be like, oh, okay, let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Let's just see what happens. So if you can manage in your own way risks like that, then you have that security to just think right let's just go for it if it doesn't work I'm no worse off just do it and you started uh, we call it in the industry call it bootstrapping don't we you started with a tiny amount of money and you had to graph to make that bit of money really work for you so how did you make a small amount I mean I'm, some people would go well that's a lot of money but in the, it's not as far as startups concerned it's nothing and I did exactly the same which is started with like that kind of money to set something up and get it going 
um, what what would you say you did? Not literally, what did you do with the money? But how do you make something happen out of a tiny budget then? Yeah, it's a really good question. So everything that you do, everything that you do has to be an investment. It has to guarantee some sort of return in my eyes. And that comes from my commercial training, I think. Um, so for example, I spent 83 pounds on a sewing machine to get started with. So I thought, okay, if I make and sell these many stirrup covers, the profit from that will cover the cost of the sewing machine. It will do this. So work it backwards like that if you can. Um, unless if you want something, don't buy it. If you need something, if you physically have to have it to get to the next step, buy it, do it. Um, if you do a piece of marketing activity, again, it has to deliver return. Um, I remember uh, my first couple of shows that I went to, I mean, all of us traders at the shows were like, oh, I'm, I'm at my break even, I'm at my break even. We all have a little party when we hit that point. Um, and, I, you know, I remember a couple of people saying to me at various points along the way, um, you know, it's it's fine, though, because if you don't make a profit, because it's like a marketing activity. And I was like, it is a marketing activity, but it has to be a profitable marketing activity. Um, and that's actually something I got from um, I, we used to do um, like taste of summer with recorder lake cider and stuff like that and we would sell the cider there as well and they're huge huge investments huge marketing opportunities but we would have to sell enough cider to cover our costs there as well and it's that way you can deliver a really excellent customer experience as well okay so tell us this then you sell cyber covers stirrup covers uh ride on exercise sheets i've now discovered is the technical term not bomb sheet i still think bomb sheets are it's much easier to say um you do bridal bags i noticed some new products did i in the range there's some other bits potentially as well if i'm just trying to think off the top of my head without your website in front of me which wouldn't help um how do you make that a great customer experience people are like, i don't know buy stirrup covers like what how's that experience what's she even on about so what I mean by that is, so when we're on the stand, um, it's about really engaging with customers. Um, you know, again, with my brand background, every touch point for the brand has to live and sing what we're all about. It has to live and sing the quality, the innovation, the functionality and the beauty of it all. Um, so by delivering a really good customer experience, like our stand at Your Horse Live, you know, we've got all this beautiful foliage and you want people to feel really special when they come on the stand. And, you know, it's for us, it's if people come to see us, it's not like, um, here are stirrup covers, this is how much it is. It's like, I want to find out about people. I want to hear about their horses. I want to hear how they use their tack. I want to hear about what kind of activities they do. I want to hear about what their main bugbearers are when they're, you know, riding and taking their horses out because for them, syrup covers might be completely irrelevant. You know, a bridal bag could actually be the answer to all their problems and it, you know, it could make their life a lot quicker and easier when they're getting out to a show and things like that. So Again, my customer experience, it's about talking to customers, finding out how, what, their, what their lives are like, what their equestrian lives are like, and then helping see which of our products might help them best with that as well. 
So one of the things that one of the girls was talking about on another Q&A, Jennifer, she was talking about you've got to find your Sue. You've got to know your Sue, which is your ideal client. You're like, who are they? What are they about? What do they do? So it sounds to me like you do your Sue research at your shows. You get to know them. You find out about them. Is that right? Would you say that's kind of what you're up to there? Totally. Like I, I started off as my Sue. Like I was a Sue. I wanted nice things that you know, really protected my tack. And then it was funny because when we, when we were setting up, I mean, we, we hadn't even launched yet. This was like about two years ago at this point. Um, the livery yard where I was at, I was kind of showing them all the prototypes. I was like, guys, can I get some feedback? What do you think? Da, da, da. And one of the mums went, Sarah, I think they're very nice. But the problem is, you're the only person that cleans tack. And I was like, no. I can't be the only person that cleans tack out there. I can't be the only one. So, <laughs> so I was like, there must be more Sue's out there. So yeah, at the shows, that is massively where like I find out who our audience are. Um, and it's it's much it's it's really broad. It's really broad. There's so many people out there that um, treat themselves really invest in nice tack, and they want to take care of that nice tack. Um, and it's great getting to see all the different kinds of um, customers from competition riders to leisure riders, um, husbands buying their wives a nice present or vice versa, um, polo hunting. We've had a lot of people um, buy our ride on exercise sheets who enjoy hunting and it's really convenient for them. They can tack up, put the horse, put it over the horse in the trailer. And our winter one is really um, warm. It's both sheepskin lined. And then they just whip it off. The horse is warm and the tack is protected and off they go. Um, so, yeah, just hearing about different uses like that and things like that as well, that really helps us with a lot of our kind of customer research, really. And so, so you've got to know your customer, you've got a strategy, you know what you're doing. You're really careful about your marketing spend or any spend at all. You make sure it returns money on investment. Um, we're kind of building a blueprint here, really, aren't we, for how to run a great new equestrian business. Okay, so the final bit then is your team around you. Because you are, we call, and I hate the name, but it's a solopreneur is what people like to call it. <laughs> never, never a solopreneur. You're never on your own. That is the biggest load of poop I've ever heard in my life. Because even True. if you sat in your office or your dining room table or wherever it is on your own, you can't be. You cannot be on your own. You can't fully do it. And if anyone thinks you can run a business fully on your own, then they're not running a scalable business. They're not running a business that can ever actually grow any bigger. And that's fine if they don't ever want to. So tell me then about your team. So we've heard about your husband and the amazing strategy stuff he does. And by the way, I want a session with him. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to go and find some wallpaper. And I'm going to take somewhere. <laughs> Like a house on fire honestly two strategists in a room oh my word yeah but this is the thing though isn't it is that it's cobbler shoes right the amount of times i've thought to myself i've got to get over that mindset thing i finally had some hypnotherapy yesterday to deal with some problems that i was having with, with that i knew that i needed to get that done and it would do it so i finally did that so cobbler shoes they always say the cobbler makes beautiful shoes for everyone else but forgets to do themselves and their own family like they haven't got time for that and this is a really common problem with people in their own businesses so when you are you're on your own you've kind of got your, you you're thinking about what you've got to do you've got a load of stuff you've actually got physically sit and to do most of the time at a computer or phone or whatever but you're never on your own are you how is how is the team that you've built around you what, what what's the most important thing about that team for you? 
Yeah. So like I said earlier, Bill Gates, like surround yourself with people more brilliant than you are. That is so important. So important because you can be brilliant. Like we all have the capacity to be amazing, but we can't all be amazing at everything. We can be good at everything and amazing at one thing, but you can't be amazing at everything. Um, and that took me a bit of time to work out. And then when I worked that out, then I was like, oh, okay. I actually need to ask for help. Um, so that was kind of something I came to terms with in my 20s. So uh, yeah, my husband is, so if there's anything kind of, um financial strategic gearing that kind of stuff long-term long-term planning is his thing um so he's great at that side of things we recently got on board um an accountant um although again Alistair's like chartered accountant I've always done my own books it's got to the point now where I just need a bit of extra help doing that kind of thing as well um as much as I've asked my husband to do my books he's like no you can do your books yourself (laughs) and I think a huge like a huge help for me is um having the support of kind of we've just started to venture gently into um retailers and having their support and their feedback um, and just having them as ideas to bounce off is amazing Um, and hearing how their customers react to the products Again, like talking to people like yourself, like other business people in the equestrian industry is such a huge help. And when I kind of first started off, um, I was a little bit like, oh, no, like everyone's a competitor. Like, oh, no, Um, I kind of maybe had a bit of a wall up, certainly compared to what I do now. Um, And then I went to Olympia and that was the kind of the first time I was had the opportunity to immerse myself and surround myself with other small businesses and small retailers that Olympia introduces. And, oh my gosh, it was in that week, I think it was worth its own value just from the strategic business direction advice that came out of it. Um, So yeah, talk to your peers, talk about their ideas, talk about your ideas. It's just having that someone else to bounce something off and um, is invaluable and also my friends keep me pretty grounded if I'm like oh this is amazing they're like Sarah get back down to earth like come on get a grip get on with it so yeah have a mix have a mix that's really cool and I, I just love the competition thing as well I think it's fascinating I think finally after sort of seven or eight years I've managed to just be happy and settled with where I am and what I'm doing now and finally kind of given up on this whole idea of competing with people which is really funny when you think about the fact that I do performance psychology (laughs) (laughs) so finally taking some of my own advice on that one um but yeah it's it's lovely when you actually get to the point where you just are settled and you think you know what yeah there is competition but actually there's a load of great people around me that I can learn from and, and, you know, be around. And so that brings me on to my next question then. If you could collaborate with any company to do some kind of joint venture, who would it be? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Um, oh, oh, I really don't know. That's such a good one. Um, there's so You've many asked that one before we came on and gone right just to prime you here's <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry 
I admire in the equestrian industry and there's so many other amazing brands um like I think what Jade Holland Cooper is doing like I I love that every touch point of the Holland Cooper brand just exudes you know what that brand is all about I really like that um same for example with Honest Riders and every single touch point from I had I boarded one of their beautiful t-shirts um and some meme oil um for my little like fly ridden pony um a couple of weeks ago and everything that it came with even the duct tape was you know it was paper it was really eco-friendly um so yeah I guess anyone that has that level of detail um that level of commitment to really living their brand in every single touch point um yeah that's what we're all about so tick those boxes be luxurious be innovative and then talk to us <laughs> so in order to do that you've got to really know your brand values then haven't you so coming back to the beginning of our, our q a then so if you were to distill your brand values down and these are the things that you're always checking in does this does this work with these values and with when we were talking to Zoe of Honest Riders, it was like so clear what her values were. Like every single time, it was like sustainability, and it's got to be ethical, and it's got to be quality, and that's what it's got to be. And so every decision she ever made about her business or what she did was like had to tick those boxes. So what would you say yours were? Coming back to that now to remind people, definitely our two core brand pillars. You call them that's that's sorry that's like marketing jargon, but our two main brand values are quality and innovation. Everything that we do has to deliver a new level of beauty, a new level of functionality, of practicality. It has to work. There is nothing worse than when you are out at a show and stress levels are high and you have a million other things to think about and the products that you have spent money on don't work and they don't deliver and they don't function in the way that you need them to and they don't do enough of what you need them to do. So our products have to be innovative, they have to work, they have to be functional, but yeah, they have to be beautiful. I want, I like things that last. I'd rather spend, you know, like, you know, I've got one pair of breeches, for example, at the minute. I only ride in breeches when I'm really schooling. Um, so, and I have a really nice pair of Procure breeches. Um, and I just ride in leggings the rest of the time because I don't need to properly sit. I don't need to work. I want something that's really quality. I want to invest um, in something that is going to last, is going to really work and really be beautiful. So that's what I bring to the brand as well. Lovely, it's amazing. Thank you so much. So before we finish then, is there anything you want to add or cover or tell people or maybe a moment I'm going to keep going until something comes up for you? <laughs> or a little like, you know, a little, little gem at the end there. If we're talking about beautiful things, let's talk about a little pearl or a gem. Oh, you're going to bring pearls into your stuff. It's oh, I dwell. Oh. My name is Hiawatha La Pearl and my middle name means pearl. So pearl could it could be it could be I think I don't know I've got a, one of my favorite quotes I guess is actually one that my dad told me my dad very very different industry but he used to make um, textile machines so machines that turn plant fibers into textiles and he used to design and patent them as well um, and he told me years ago before I thought about any of this 
Sarah, it's very easy to overcomplicate something, but it's very difficult to make something more simple. And often the best designs are the simple ones. And I think that is so true in everything we do, like whether it's, you know, relationships or, you know, you're overthinking something or you're designing a new product for a new brand or you're having trouble training your horse with something, you know, keep it simple. On It's harder to think of the simple things, but they're always the best. So that's my pearl. <laughs> I love that thank you and I have to say when I first saw your stuff I thought what a nice lady met you it's lovely but you know like it's stirrup covers and saddle covers like you know what on earth like okay fair enough fair play it's very nice it's gorgeous it's really lovely but you know great have fun good luck um selling into that but over the years where I've seen you develop and I've actually had some of it and seen the quality and and you know actually got to know it and gone oh hang on I think I get what she's about here now actually this isn't this isn't stirrup covers and saddle covers is it you know this is like you say real quality stuff this is going to last like this really is you touch it you feel it and you know it is and you think yeah do you know what it is that simple like don't dismiss it because it's so simple like embrace the fact that actually she's got it right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you it is it is brilliant you know and I think that's that I've loved watching your brand over the last few years because you have stuck to that. I've been so impressed by the way you haven't disappeared off on a tangent or done something different like so many young businesses do. It's a bit like a child in a sweetie shop, isn't it? <laughs> and and I, I speak to so many people that want to set up their own business and do these things. And they're like, and I could do this and I could do that and I could do this and I could do that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, can you just get something right to begin with, please? And then carry on. And that's certainly something I've, I like a magpie. Ooh, shiny new thing. <laughs> no, just get the thing you're doing now working. Like, but that's the boring bit sometimes. Isn't because it? we're all filled with so much energy and enthusiasm, and we want to get going. We want to do this. Like, I, there's so many. This is like we were doing this new product development stuff. I've so many ideas that I want to get out, and um, it's like, okay, I've got limited resources. Where am I going? Where's the direction? What's going to work? What? is this clear set what's a clear plan and keeping it simple but it's definitely the harder it's definitely hard to do <laughs> but worth it when you get to where you are now and you're successful and you you know you're reaping those benefits and you can look back and go wow look how far we've come that's amazing and you know it truly does show that you'd be doing something right because for a business to be as successful as you are in 18 months ish you know, it shows that you must have done it right because the, the real, the really good ones are the ones that just, what we call disrupt the market, isn't it? They come in and they just accelerate and everyone goes, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? So yeah, I do think that yours has been one of those, like people are now looking at, looking at things that you produce slightly differently and going, well, hang on a minute, some piece of fleece on my saddle is just not going to cut it anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not going to do the job, is it? So yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing about the inner workings of your business brain. Um, and thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple of comments come in. I'll just tell you some of them. I think some of your friends have come on. So, Heather, looking forward to hearing that big laugh. I miss hearing it at the yard. <laughs> Cassie, just enjoyed following your journey. Oh, hang on a minute. That's two combined. Let's, let's just checked out and liked your page. Wow, your products are amazing. And I love your positivity. And then Isla has said, I think it's Isla, um, I've enjoyed following your journey. Well done. You're sounding a lot more Scottish. <laughs> there we go. I, I, I lived in um, Scotland for about six years. So 
every so often. I think the more, because that's where my sales journey began. I think the more passionate I talk about things, the more Scottish I get. I, yeah. I can't help it. I, I just, it just happens. It comes out. I have no control over it. So where in the UK are you based now? Where's Finer Equine live? We are just outside um, Manchester in um, Cheshire. Ah, cool. Super. So nowhere near Scotland then. So. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so, so much. And uh, obviously, if people get hold of you, how can they do that? So you can get hold of us um, at our Facebook page, which is just at Finer Equine. Just search Finer Equine on Facebook. You can also DM us on Instagram. Again, our Instagram tag is at Finer Equine, all one word. Just pop us a little message. They all come straight through to me. It's not some robot. It's it's literally just me. Hi. Um, or you can email us at info at finerequine.co.uk. Also, our website is finerequine.co.uk and our entire range is on there and currently all in stock as well. Amazing. So go check it out, guys. It's well worth looking at. You really need to feel it to get the quality of it, but trust me, it's there. Um, and some great little videos on your Facebook page and things I noticed recently of uh, you showing off the products and how well they work and things as well. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me as well. It's been lovely to catch up. It's been really good. Cool. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. See you soon. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? Who got this?